And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Cast for you to wrap up the week as the Vancouver Canucks make their way through Eastern Canada. Started with the overtime win in Montreal. Uh, not so much in the nation's capital or just outside of it in Canada last night. And here we are, uh, Jeff Patterson in Toronto, Drancers in Vancouver. The Magic of Technology were brought together to discuss a 5-2 loss to the Ottawa Senators, Drancer. Oh, oof. And, and a full, full value for that too, right? They did not play well last night. No, it was weird, and again, you're not on the trip, I am, but you know, you probably saw some of the post-game remarks, and man, I, I thought like there was a real soft sell on the part of the coach and, and on down, uh, you know, attributing it to a bad bounce to start the third period, and uh, you know, didn't play that poorly, and carried the play in the third, and I mean, they did carry the play a little bit in the third period, but you know, again, another 2-0 deficit, uh, you know, all the talk out of the Montreal game was... Oh, terrible start. The timeout that Travis called, and it was the right move in that game. Uh, they rallied. They win in overtime. But post-game, they all said, you know, learn from this. Can't happen again. And then seven minutes in uh, Thursday night, there they are looking up at the Ottawa Senators again. Yeah. And, you know, you look at you look at the numbers, and they match what I saw anyway on television, which is, you know, the Senators actually had the lion's share of quality chances in the latter 40 Absolutely. minutes. And, yeah. you know, I think there's an extent to which, you know, Hogberg got some bounces potentially. I mean, I think the Canucks top line was really dangerous all evening, but that doesn't change the fact that this team just surrenders so much, even against this undermanned Senators team, like a bunch of guys who are really green, but outworked Vancouver, I thought generated way more than them over the course of 60 minutes and kind of prevented Vancouver from getting in 
the usual groove we've seen them be in, that sort of threatening momentum generating churn that they seem to be able to find when they're chasing leads. And they just didn't have it, at least not in sort of the sustained discipline kind of way last night. I thought JT Miller was really good. They yep. put that on a loop. Uh, I thought he tried <laughs> to drag the bunch. You know, like, I, I guess I would take a little bit of issue with that top line was really good uh, throughout the night because at even strength, they didn't generate a shot in the first period, at least a shot on goal. They probably had a couple of attempts, but uh, the shots were 2 nothing for the Senators when yeah. that group was on the ice. They had the early power play. Pedersen had the one-timer. Uh, man, he scored from that spot on the ice uh, in that building a year ago as part of his hat trick, but... Uh, I really kind of felt, as the night moved along, like you think of the scoring chances that stand out uh, to Foley in front of the net in the second period and Miller trying yep. to mop up the loose change. And then, I'm not sure how it all worked out, but JT Miller spotting Jay Beagle all alone in front of the net. You know, Miller just seemed to be attached to basically all the scoring chances. And then his goal uh, in the dying seconds of the second period, like that looked like 40 minutes of pent-up frustration taken out in <laughs> one slap shot. And again, I mean, he's quickly emerging, you know, I mean, all, again, all season long, he has been a driver for this team, but uh, it feels here in the last week or two weeks that, uh, you know, he, he is putting this team on his back and that's good. Good for him. I mean, they're going to need more of that. He's experienced. He's been through these battles. Uh, he's playoff tested. And I think some of that is showing where, again, some of these young players that haven't been through all of this uh, maybe are getting trapped in the difficulty of games but, but you know there's just no excuse like everybody's taking points off the Ottawa Senators that was a game that the Canucks had to have and ultimately they got what they deserved I thought uh based on the performance no question and you know I mean the loss reduced their playoff odds by 10 percent according to Dom LeCision's model right yeah. which so that's a high leverage loss to a team you just have to beat and you know when I think about sort of two quick takeaways from that third period you know you look at that Bobby Ryan insurance marker and how tired Vancouver's players were by the end right you have Toffoli sort of looping off and you have Myers uh, you know maybe doesn't get back fast enough whatever it doesn't matter they played something like six of the last 10 minutes you know what I'm saying like there was only the two TV stoppages there wasn't another stoppage after the 3-3 TV timeout so it's not like Travis Green had a chance to call a timeout and rest his guys like they were just done. And that's sort of what happens when you go to two pairs, you know, Myers and Hughes and then Stetcher and Edler and two lines, really. I don't think that Sutter line had more than one shift uh, or two shifts in the last maybe 12 minutes of the game. And then obviously Antoine Roussel gets caught out there for a bit. But, you know, I feel like this is a situation where, again, the injury to Brock Besser kind of shows because you end up bumping Godet to the wing and, and on and on. And, and also Josh Levo, right? Like, if you have Levo in the lineup, maybe you have and Besser. Maybe you have better options, better options to sort of fatten your lineup as you chase a lead. But it just seemed like they, you know, sort of wore out their first gear, as it were, as that third period went along, and they sort of shortened their bench to that extent. And and I do feel like it cost them at the tail end of that, you know, lengthy shift, uh, you know, the non-call on Pedersen going to the net uh, for that Roussel pass, comes back the other way, and, and they just all look gassed. Uh, I, right there, just uh, the things that you mentioned in, in that last little bit, like, 
sort of tell you everything you did. First of all, uh, you know, you alluded to the Sutter line. Like, we haven't seen a line that's actually been the Brandon Sutter line right. since the start of the season. But that told you about the line blender. And then the fact that Roussel and Pedersen, who have basically not seen the ice together at any point all season, they're out there together late. Uh, Tyler Mott got bumped up. Like, I like the hustle that Tyler Mott brings. He gives you what he's got. But when that's the wild card that Travis Green's pulling out of his pocket and putting yeah. on the table to start the second period, again, goes right back to that Sunday afternoon against Anaheim, another bad loss for the Vancouver Canucks. And the things we were saying that day was, you know, man, I, you know, they're moving Zach McEwen up the lineup. That, that shows you how sort of weak they are on the right side and there just aren't other options. And then the next day they go in and make the Tyler Toffoli deal. So... Uh, I agree with you. Like it, it, to me, there were a lot of similarities uh, between the, the losses to the Ducks on home ice a couple of weeks back and, and the Senators last night. Slow starts, falling behind. Yeah, maybe there were a couple of bad bounces. Those happen. And the good teams find ways to persevere. Uh, they're able to overcome those kinds of bounces. You know, they had done a nice job. Like I wanted to, and I did in the aftermath, and we haven't done a podcast since uh, Monday in the trade deadline. But, yep. you know, I gave them credit for battling back and chipping away against Montreal. Like, that was a good win. Unfortunately, it was followed up by a bad loss. Yeah, and a bad loss that followed a similar script, right? A couple early goals and, you know, and and same with Anaheim too, right? Those games all feel similar. It's just that the Canucks managed to pull one out of the fire in the case of the Montreal game and haven't otherwise. But, you know, either way, we're seeing a team that's kind of playing with fire in terms of what they surrender, right? In terms of the quality of the chances against. And, you know, I'm sure Demko would ha- would want to have the first one back last night, but that doesn't change the fact that, you know, as the game moved along, he also made some stunning saves. And there were some really scrambly, like, shot blocks and a variety of other things. Like, the Senators just generated too much, just as Anaheim did, just as Montreal did against this team. It's been a consistent thread all season, and, you know, it's something that, as the games ratchet up here, you know, is the biggest threat facing this club, especially now that Jacob Markstrom's going to be out for at least a couple weeks. Say that sentence again. The Senators <laughs> just generated too much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my head hurts. <laughs> I know. My head, hurt, my head hurt watching it in person, and it hurts again here uh, listening to you say that. But no, you're right. Like, it, like Connor Brown could have had about five goals last night. You know, he opens the scoring, and it was a bad goal. And Demko owned it post game, but you know, okay. So one goal can't sing a one goal can't sink a hockey team at this time of year. It just it can't. There was a ton of time left, but now you're down one nothing. So don't compound it. And 30 seconds later, Oscar Fantenberg throwing a puck up the gut, and then losing Bobby Ryan as he gets to the front of the net. And now it's two nothing. And then the you know the chase is on and. Uh, it was a, a tough, tough night for Myers and Fantenberg. I mean, Myers on the ice for four of the goals, Fantenberg on for the first three. And, you know, where do you go if you're you're Travis Green and Nolan Baumgartner? You've got Jordy Ben. Is Jordy Ben in and Oscar Fantenberg out? I mean, is that an upgrade for the Vancouver Canucks? Or do they have to look at recalibrating their pairs? And obviously, you go back to the start of the season, Drancer, you wrote at length about Edler and Myers and how much success they had early on like is it time to go back to those two and let Troy Stetcher try to mop up and, and bring a little bit of stability to the third pair yeah it's it's tough to figure out the I, I probably would try something like that 
at this point just because I do think that third pair has been an issue for a long time. And Myers hasn't had those issues with Edler. He hasn't had those issues with Hughes. I think the problem is, is you know, Myers-Hughes might be the pair you want most, but if you put them together, you kind of put all your puck moving in one basket in terms of right. your tough moving toughs. I mean, Stetcher can do it too, but Myers and Hughes are your best sort of transitional puck movers. And, and when they're together, that sort of leaves you with at least one line that's just going to get stuck in their end. So, or one pair, excuse me. So, you know, it's a tough situation, but I, I do think going back to Edler Myers is worth a look. And, and again, Myers has been bumped around situationally so much, right? When they're defending leads, Myers tends to move up and, and play a bit more with Edler anyway. And when they're chasing leads, Myers Hughes, as we saw yesterday, becomes sort of the main pair, right? And, and this is yeah. one thing that I don't think's been really understood. But last night's pretty representative where Myers is third among Canucks blue liners in ice time, right? Since Edler came back to the lineup, and they kind of rejigged their pairs to go Edler Stetcher. Myers has been third among Canucks defensemen in ice time per game at even strength, right? Like he's playing on the third pair, but he's playing a second pair role. He's not been the third pair guy. And and I do think there's some pile on, which often happens after a really ugly game like like Myers and Fantenberg had against Ottawa that sort of obscures the baseline level of competence that Myers has still brought to this blue line this season. You know, for me anyway, I think I'd probably pick him as the guy who's been the second best of Canucks defenders. And I know that that's not a take that would endear myself necessarily in this market at this moment. But, uh, you know, I think he's been really good. I think he's been way better than I would have expected prior to the season throughout the year. Uh, the Ottawa game accepted. And, you know, I mean, I do think you got to probably move him up and, and see if see if playing him in Edler can can give you something, because this is clearly a club that needs a spark or a change. And I, I don't know that they have the options to really remake their lineup that significantly up front. Yeah, and I agree that, look, I mean, recency bias and all that kind of stuff that, you know, there was a pile on effect last night. I mean, People might hear me and think that I was saying a pylon effect, uh, but there was a piling. There was a piling on. Well, there were uh, both. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's be honest. There yeah. was both. But you know, look. There's nowhere for those guys to hide. The first three goals. That's the defensive pairing that was out there, uh, not good enough. And I just thought that that three-one goal. They may have thought it was a strange bounce off the backboards, but it was such a gut punch or. Maybe even a little lower than that, a kick of the nuts. You know, they'd done well to no, but they'd done well to get it to two to one, right? Like they, yeah. they weren't on their game. JT Miller scores. They get to the room, and I'm thinking, okay, there's going to be this all-out assault in the third period. The Sens won't know what hit them. You know, there's a comeback coming, and 14 seconds in, you know, they get a punch square in the jaw, and it sets them back on their heels. And and yeah, they scored again. And we'll get to Tyler Toffoli here and his contributions in a sec, but. There were a couple of pushes, and Toffoli had another opportunity to tie the game, but I didn't think that, you know, I, I guess I was disappointed in the Canucks, just with all that was at stake and, yep. and knowing that it was a game that they had to have, that they didn't seem to pull out all the stops in the third period. And maybe you give some credit to the Senators for playing hard, and the Bobby Ryan story was a terrific one. Uh, you know, it was a great night and the emotion in the building and everything else. But, you know, none of that should have mattered to the Canucks. Like, it should have just been blinders on, 
complete focus on getting the job done, whatever it took. And I just, I didn't feel that the 18 skaters or the goaltender, you know, put forth that kind of effort. And look, they don't have much more. You talked about it. I mean, there isn't a huge margin for error. Like a loss to Anaheim and a loss to Ottawa, you know, those are points you're banking on because there are still some really good opponents ahead for the Vancouver Canucks. And, uh, you know, if they're going to play as loosely as they did in front of their goaltender, whoever's in net, and we know that that's been an issue all season long, but, you know, what's that going to look like against a Toronto team that has all these elite finishers tomorrow night? Yeah, and that bottled up, you know, one of the best offenses in the league yesterday, right? And and here's, so, there's one, there's two things. There's one thing I want to talk about before we move on, just because I want to make sure we don't become, I, I feel like I need to make sure that I don't become desensitized to it and just say that, well, you know, the Canucks didn't deserve it last night. They didn't play well, so obviously they didn't get the calls. But I do think that that Pedersen non-call late is ridiculous, just because this is what I'm talking about after the Greslick hit, where I'm talking about a league that just doesn't create an environment where its best players are likely to make a decisive impact on the game. Like, a holding penalty that costs the best player on the ice for either team a scoring chance in the last three minutes, like, that's ridiculous. That just has to be a penalty every time. And I don't want to I don't want to say that's why they lost or that the refs decided the game so much as I just want to note that that's a ridiculous thing that the NHL is bad at, not just where the Canucks are concerned, but across the board, and they need to figure it out. And then the last thing I want to say is, look, you look at now Vancouver's next seven, right? And you've got the Coyotes twice, you've got the Blue Jackets twice. Those are hardworking teams. You've got the yep. Leafs, Avs, and then you've got the, you know, no oxygen machine that is the New York Islanders defense, right? That's their next seven. And so this loss to Ottawa, you know, creates a additional sort of incentive here. Like it, it minimizes their margin for error as they go into this seven-game stretch where you don't have an easy point on the board at any point and you don't have your starter. And you just can't be giving up as many chances as they gave up to a pretty feeble team last night, uh, especially as this sort of quality of your opposition ramps up here and the stakes at the same time. So, you know, a little bit felt like a little bit of an old fashioned freak out in the Vancouver market last night, right? Like this team expects to win again, at least Uh, that's sort of the rose colored take. But, uh, you know, there's reason for it. And the reason is that this team isn't going to be in tough here for the next two weeks for sure and beyond. Hey, before we move on, just want to take a moment to tell our listeners more about the great things going on at The Athletic. The Athletic is home to 400 of the best sports writers out there covering every major team in every major league in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. Uh, If you want insight and information on your favorite team, whatever league they play in, Uh, You can get it here. I mean, this is obviously a Canucks podcast, but uh, there's league-wide coverage of the NHL, and then you name it, all the major sports in North America, uh, British soccer as well. So uh, lots of reasons, if you're not a subscriber, to get on board. Simply put, we have the best sports newsroom on the planet. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can see for yourself by signing up for a free trial. Head to theathletic.com slash thevancast to save 40% on an annual subscription. That works out to about 3 bucks a month for total access to some of the best sports coverage in the world. What are you waiting for? It's theathletic.com slash thevancast to save 40%. Some of that sports writing done by... Uh, boy genius, Harmon Dial, who's out on the road. And, yeah. Uh, I, he's managed to make it so far. Uh, second road trip of the year for him. 
And uh, I know that uh, he was excited to get here to Toronto. I think he's got some family that he was going to visit. Nice. I know looking forward to uh, uh, a Saturday night game, you know, Hockey Night in Canada, the big show, uh, Scotiabank Arena. Although it's always going to be the ACC for me, but it is Scotiabank Arena, so I should get that that one right. Um, Just want to talk about Tyler Toffoli and his contributions. And I know that you kind of went down this road on the radio uh, in Vancouver during the week about, and I saw you on Twitter too, going some back and forth, um, you know, about what's expected from him. I mean, he was brought in to score goals and he's done that. Like, it's hard to argue with the output uh, to this point. Uh, are you surprised at all that uh, he's fit in as seamlessly on that top line as he has, or does it just speak to the opportunity that he's getting to play with, you know, the two best players on the Vancouver Canuck roster? No, I give him a lot of credit. And, you know, this is what sort of, one of my least favorite takes is always the, well, you know, the second round pick could be something. Tyler Madden could be something. Tyler Toffoli is something. Like, that's my least favorite take <laughs> in the wake of <laughs> trades. Like, they did give up a big price. No one's making too small a deal of that. Like, they gave up a big price, and they got a really good player. And Toffoli is, you know, played really well for them. He's come in, and he's been extraordinarily productive. I mean, you know, don't expect him to continue to shoot 20%, but just his you know, baseline competence, his ability to read the play, especially when Miller or Pedersen have the puck and are are doing what they do, you know, Pedersen in the middle and JT along the wall, you know, he's been a, he's been an extraordinarily good fit there. And that said, you know, they've needed it, right? Like they've needed everything he's been able to give them. Uh, This hasn't been the team at their best, right? Since that Minnesota game when I think about sort of the structural things. And, and I do think this boost they got from Toffoli maybe helped them bank some points they wouldn't have otherwise got. Um, and so, you know, credit to him. I just think that we got to understand a little bit. I, I just like to manage expectations and have everyone understand sort of where he is. And the two sort of things that I think are important to remember is that finish that he's shown to this point isn't typical of him. We're talking about a guy who's a little bit more... Radim Verbata than Elias Pettersson in terms of the volume required for him to generate offense. And then the other thing is, Toffoli's a guy who consistently has top-line impact, but doesn't necessarily score like a top-liner. So over a short span of time, he might pick up some points in bunches, but really what he's going to help do is create opportunities for Pettersson and Miller. He's not going to be the guy who's sort of, you know, very often the the has the genius touch at the tail end of the play uh, that results in a goal like Brock Besser is more likely to do that and and the final thing that I went down the road with on radio is in the wake of Toffoli's instant success there the way that this market's begun to talk about Brock Besser who's like a star level player is is just baffling to me like complete nonsense you know obviously this run of super rookies which ends this season has been astonishing for Canucks fans to witness with Besser and then Pedersen and then Hughes sort of each one upstaging the other as we've gone here but you know (laughs) brought Besser's 22 and over three seasons scored at like a 65 point per 82 game pace higher than that even like he's a really really good player and this team misses him a lot uh, an awful lot and that really has shown I think in some of these games, especially the Anaheim game, and especially last night with the way that they were, you know, sort of on fumes late, having shortened their bench. Help me out here, because 
I've mentioned this a couple times in recent radio hits, that undeniably there has been a dip in Elias Pettersson's production since the All-Star break. He's still, you know, insanely talented, and maybe it's just a, a stretch of some bad luck, and maybe he's going a little cold. We know that uh, teams are playing him harder, and, you know, he may be playing through something too. Who knows? I, what I don't get is how J.T. Miller and Elias Pettersson, who have been joined at the hip, on all their shifts, even strength and power play, since the All-Star break, Miller has 19 points and Pedersen has 9. And at even strength, Miller's got 14 points and Elias Pedersen has only 6. Like, how, where does the disparity come from? Yeah, well, a couple things. One is uh, if you look at Pedersen's individual points rate, right? It's really low. Like, it's in the 40s for no reason. Um, so, to me, it looks like just a little bit of a distributional thing. Just a little bit of weird luck. Uh, usually he'd pick up more points than he has on those JT Miller, you know, plays, sequences. But full credit to Miller. I think Miller's just having a beast run right now. And, uh, and you know, that's good for him. His playmaking's been excellent, too, from that sort of strong side of the left circle on the power play. I think he's been a boon there. Maybe to the point where I think, you know, while Besser I, I would put back on the first line on his return... I do wonder if I'd leave the first power play unit with Toffoli on it, just based on how Miller at that left circle opens things up for Bo Horvat and how his playmaking has kind of worked uh, from that spot. I think it's been excellent, and, and the power play sort of heated up partly as a result, in my opinion. So, look, I, I don't really have a full explanation beyond saying that looking over the underlying data, I don't see the same level of atrophy that I would see if I looked at Pedersen's last 32 games versus his first 50 last year, where his shot rate really fell off. His underlying numbers really fell off. Like there were a lot of sort of indicators that uh, he was struggling in a different kind of way than what we're seeing right now, where I'm just sort of seeing like Pedersen's so efficient that his, his percentages don't seem to dip. But in terms of the points he's being credited for when he's on the ice, that's sort of seems to be what's disappeared on him. And that those are just those games going away where you look at the score sheet, you know, the Tanner Pearson special, like, Oh, how'd he get right. two? Uh, yep. I just feel like we're, I feel like he's not having those, but I don't see sort of anything, at least from the data or from the eye test that suggests to me other than maybe a few whiffs and misses, but that's kind of been a theme all season, right? He's missed high a ton. He's hit a lot of posts. Uh, so I don't even look into that too much. I, I just sort of see a guy who's, you know, not getting those sort of peripheral points that he maybe was a little bit earlier in the season. It's just, it's fascinating to me that since the all-star break, Pedersen and Adam Gaudet have uh, basically identical numbers. Pedersen's got four goals <laughs> yeah. and five assists. Gaudet has three goals and six assists, but they both have six at even strength and three on the power play. And so, you know, different quality of competition, quite likely, or at least in the, the roles that they've been used. Uh, but good for Adam Gaudet, but you know, they're, look, they're going to need a little bit more from Elias Pettersson. And, you know, whether this is just a dip, whatever's the case, uh, we've seen him play at such high levels that he has raised the bar that when his play isn't there, you know, it does kind of look and feel like uh, he's scuffled along a little bit. And so, you know, I, I'm excited to see him on the big stage in Toronto because if you roll things back a year, uh, he got hurt in Montreal the game before 
Uh, the Canucks were in Toronto. The Canucks got shut out in Montreal and then got shut out in Toronto. Uh, only had Elias Pettersson for uh, a period in Montreal and then didn't have him at all uh, against the Leafs last year when they were through town here. So uh, it's the only NHL rink that he hasn't played in yet. And I know he was disappointed because, you know, here he was making his rookie tour and hype was building around him. And I think he wanted to match himself up against all the the big names on that Toronto side. So he didn't get that chance last year, has faced the Leafs in Vancouver, but uh, he'll get that opportunity on Saturday. And, you know, that next game is always uh, an opportunity for him to have that kind of breakout game that uh, I think we're expecting. And it'll probably come sooner rather than later. But uh, Canuck Leafs, I mean, it uh, it's it's usually a fun game. Uh, you know, the Canucks are, as we talked about right off the top, I mean, it's not must win. It's too soon to say must win, but they've put some pressure on themselves here because now it's back-to-back on the weekend. We may see Louis Domingue and Sunday in Columbus. You know, Thatcher Demko, there's a little bit of pressure on him to have a bounce-back game. So stakes are pretty high for the Canucks here as they roll uh, into Toronto on Saturday night. They are, and Toronto... I mean, Toronto and Vancouver played a really good game back in December, right? Where Freddie Anderson was quite the opposite of what he looked like in the first period <laughs> against Florida last night. You yeah. know, just just on fire against the Canucks, right? Stopping breakaway after breakaway uh, on that game uh, during that game in December in Vancouver. So, will certainly be interesting to see. This Leafs team, you know, has a depleted defense, but I thought they put in one of their best two-way efforts last night against the Panthers, a game that I was also tracking last night with with great interest considering the playoff ramifications and my personal stakes. So, you know, personal interest, just all the people that I know who are involved. So, you know, I, I was, uh, I'm really curious to see how the Leafs play and how they respond and if they can kind of keep up and, and find, you know, maybe use this successful trip they've had through Florida in the wake of the air's embarrassment to string together some games that allow them to build some identity and and maybe build a cushion in their own playoff race. So this will be a fascinating one, I think. Two teams that I think the Leafs control play better, but ultimately at the end of the day, we're talking about two teams that surrender a little bit too much and can outscore a lot of their issues. And when the goaltending's not excellent, get exposed a little bit. And so... You know, similar MOs, albeit one team's obviously accomplished more being a perennial playoff team already and is a little bit ahead of them in terms of where they're at in their rebuild. But, you know, I do think uh, it's an interesting one because of the similarities that both teams bring to the ice. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And I'm looking forward to Harm getting that experience of seeing the circus on a Saturday in Toronto. Quick Harm story at the tail end of the fancast here. Uh, well, I sent you a picture. I had to snap a pic. And, so you know, good. Everybody talks about Montreal, the Bell Center, and you got to have these hot dogs. There's so much damn talk about the hot dogs. Uh, I've never had one. I've just I've chosen. It's just not something that uh, appeals to me necessarily. And I, it's not. I am not anti hot dog by any stretch. But, but I don't know. I just I, I have trouble buying into this notion that these hot dogs are so amazing. But usually, people that go <laughs> to the press box at Bell Center uh, go all in on these hot dogs. Uh, and there's always a media meal that's provided uh, before every game in every rink, right? And so uh, there are lots of food options. Harm rolls into uh, the Bell Center, finds his spot along press row. Uh, game gets underway. I see him reaching in his bag. He pulls out a foot-long subway. Like he's <laughs> not Uber Eats or DoorDash. Like he didn't have it delivered. He, he was his own delivery guy. 
But mid-first period, there was harm snacking on Subway. <laughs> was it a smoked and he meat? Looked, and looked very, looked very happy about it. Uh, he likes his Subway, man. He likes his Subway and his chicken sandwiches. I appreciate that. Man knows what he likes. <laughs> well, and remember, he yeah, doesn't yeah. eat salad. He doesn't eat salad unless it's ground up into a smoothie. So I'm actually just surprised that he didn't pull a smoothie out of his backpack. Yeah, well, there's still time. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll be monitoring Harm's eating habits here at uh, at yeah. Scotiabank Arena on Saturday night. Uh, make sure right, to. Uh, oh, sorry. Just make sure to let him know that the the fresh pizza, the fresh pizza pizza, comes to the Leafs media room at precisely six thirty. All right. I will uh, make sure that he gets uh, the notice. All right. For uh, Drancer in Vancouver, it's JPAT in Toronto. Canucks and the Leafs on Saturday, and then into Columbus on Sunday night. So back to back here on the weekend. Uh, pressure is starting Tough to games, man. Collar getting a little tight for the Vancouver Canucks, and uh, we'll see how they fare here. Have to find a way to grind out some points over the weekend. Though so I'll be back in town early next week. We'll reconvene with a new version of the VanCast to get the week started, but that's going to do it for now. Uh, Drancer, have yourself a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Safe travels, bud. There you go. The VanCast here at The Athletic and theathletic.com. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.